You are listening to The Jive Hive. If this is your first time tuning in, here's a quick how-to best practices guide for getting the most out of this podcast. It is a storytelling podcast set in a speakeasy that circumvents the laws of prohibition by circumventing the laws of time and space. Patrons come to this speakeasy and exchange their stories for a drink. We try to tell each story using not only narration, but also sound. So this is the kind of podcast you want to listen to with a good set of headphones or a solid set of speakers, because we go all out for the sounds in this thing. Kat and I also recommend doing something moody when you listen to this. We dim the lights and put on Bob Ross painting shows on mute. But maybe you light a candle. Maybe you light a fire. Maybe you submerge your toes in coconut oil. Whatever you do to enhance the mood. Do this, and you will get the most out of this podcast. Oh, a quick primer on the recurring characters in this podcast. We have the master, who is the mysterious proprietor of the speakeasy. We have chives, the master's good-natured, though bumbling butler, who serves as the Jive Hive's MC, Scaly Bowls, the cabaret-singing lounge lizard, and there are adorable elves that live beneath the bar and prepare drinks for the patrons. There is a new storyteller every episode. Also want to give a special thanks to Adam Keim, who wrote this episode's story and patiently waited two-ish years while we produced this episode. All right, here it is. Jake the Snake Eyed Skink, 
Hollywood Hulk Komodo, Alexis Basilisk, Iguana Cena, Chuck Wall Taylor, Cordy Lede Graves, and The Rock, who is, of course, just literally The Rock we sun ourselves on, along with Stone Cold Steve Austin, who is, of course, just another rock. But the temperature of the stone won't matter much because we're all cold-blooded, you see. I know you are versed in karate, kung fu, and jeet kundo, but you've spent all of the past, um, uh, how long? Singing the cabaret and jiltedly skulking about the round areas? How did you suddenly manage to learn the arcane art of professional wrestling? And from whom? I fear you will develop pre-patella bursitis, or worse, ringworm! Pre-patella bursitis? Oh, chives, silly chives. Lizards don't even have knees. At, at least I don't think we do. Anyway, I have it all planned. The gorgeous lizards of wrestling will make it big on the reptile circuit, catching the attention of Vince McMaylock and... You wish to hear a story? Well, let me tell you something, Hermano. I will tell you a story of the greatest and the most terrible luchador to ever grace the mat in Mexico. city summer, the sweat and the alcohol, the bloodthirsty crowd screaming victory for the champion as he made his way to the ring. It should have been overwhelming to a child, but I felt only happiness. Papa stood next to me, and I felt like I had been accepted, now able to hang with the real men, not just the neighborhood boys after school. But when Churo Guevero stood toe-to-toe with his rival, El Demonio Negro, I realized that I still had a long way to go. Churo was thin and muscular, face truly taut with grim determination beneath his mask. The monstrous Demonio Negro towered above him. I feared for the safety of Churo. I asked Papa, how can he win? The monster is so huge, he will be crushed. Papa gave me a stern look. Honor, honor de la mascara y de la familia, he responded, as if I had done some great disrespect by doubting the abilities of Churo. 
I watched as El Demonio tried to assault Churo, but he was much too slow to keep up with the agile masked man. Churo danced atop the ropes, leapt over El Demonio, rolled between his legs. He knew that speed and cunning would be his way to victory, and it was dazzling to watch. Suddenly he attacked El Demonio's leg and brought the beast to the ground. In a flash, Churo was atop the turnbuckle. He launched himself high into the air, ready to bring down the final crushing blow to his nemesis. But El Demonio was back on his feet and caught Churo in midair. Churo was helpless as El Demonio slammed him to the mat, dropped atop him, and wrapped his arms around Churo's neck in a crushing vice grip. I felt the fear once more. Give up, Churo! Walk away from this with your life! Tears welled up in my eyes as I watched Churo gasp and choke and try to claw his way out of the monster's hold. But Churo did not submit. He did not tap. In a sudden burst of strength, Churo jammed his fingers underneath the gigantic arms of El Demonio and wrenched free from the beast's grasp. A swift kick to the side of the head sent El Demonio reeling, followed by a flying crossbody attack from the middle rope. El Demonio was not prepared. He lost his balance and was on the ground once more. Churo again climbed to the top rope. The crowd was on their feet, anticipation matching Churo's ascent, exhilaration mounting as he was poised to again attempt his finishing maneuver. Churo Guevara readied himself, surveyed the crowd, stretched out his arms in a dramatic sweep, and for a moment I swore that Churo paused, hand extended directly towards me. He knew that I felt the fear, and in that moment he was reassuring a frightened young boy that a real man never allows fear to stand between him and glorious victory. It was then that I decided my path. I would become worthy of wearing the luchador mask, and I would never feel the fear again. Churo pounced on his adversary, and the contest was over. El Demonio Negro was assisted out of the ring as Churo Guevara celebrated his victory amidst the wild cheers of an ecstatic audience. My mind was already elsewhere. I dreamt of dancing atop the ropes, flying through the air, toppling evil masked monsters as a warrior and a champion of the people. As I grew up, I worked for a local farmer at the village tienda and saved every peso I made. As soon as I was old enough, I gathered up all of my money and traveled to La Andresa in the city. I was thrilled to be accepted into the school and began truly pursuing my destiny. I studied under many great teachers, Carlos Escobar, Mascara Roja, Cesar Volador Jr. But my idol, Churo Guevara, had left the country to travel and hone his skills and to spread lucha libre around the world. I would follow in his footsteps. I spent years studying the great Canadian wrestling schools. I cried, I bled, I broke bones. But broken bones healed, and I always returned to push myself harder. I had to live up to the legacy of Churo to make my papa and my village proud. It was pride that kept me moving forward, and I chose to take up the visage of the lion. I became El Leon Volante, the vicious predator who soared through the air to conquer his opponents. From there, I traveled to the Far East, working and training in Japanese dojos. I rose at the first sight of dawn, giving way to long days of scrubbing floors, cooking rice, and honing my combat skills. I learned to withstand hard strikes from the Japanese masters, and that physical pain is nothing compared to the pain of dishonor. My abilities were further sharpened, but I had yet to reach the peak. It was well known that to become truly successful, a wrestler had to make their name known in the United States.
WWF, the Universal Championship Wrestling Federation, was the largest and most powerful professional wrestling organization in the world. Their fighters lived like royalty and were known as celebrities wherever they went. Most importantly, the UCWF would film the fights and show them on the television. I knew that this would be the best way to show the world my mastery of the art of lucha libre and to bring honor to my family. Churro Guevara left his village to travel the world, but where was he now? I realized that Churro no longer touched the minds and hearts of the people, but Elean Volante would succeed where Churro Guevara had failed. I set my sights on the UCWF. It did not take long for me to realize that the American professional wrestling is not the same sacred tradition that I had learned in Mexico. The competitors here fought not for honor, but for wealth and glory. It is not difficult for El Leon Volante to gain recognition in this company, as there were few masked luchadors, and even fewer who could soar above the ring as I could. El Jefe told me I was marketable, that there were toys made in my image, shirts printed with pictures of me standing tall above my opponents. Parents could buy their children plastic copies of the mask of El Leon Volante. Once upon a time, my opponents would try and fail to best me in combat, to claim the mask of the lion as their own. Now, there were small lions everywhere. I made money for El Jefe, and so the victories continued to mount. I was a star, the featured performer at many events. Tonight, it should have been a glorious night. I was set to compete in the main event against one fighter whose popularity may have surpassed that of El Leon Volante. Jean the Hunter Steele was a towering, fair-skinned, brutish man who quickly laid waste to his opponents with an airborne punch and his signature javelin tackle. Though he was given many victories, Steele did not earn his position. His ability in the ring was not sharpened, and he showed no humility nor respect for the other fighters. But Steele was popular with the young Americans, and so El Jefe gave him a steady stream of opponents to destroy. Tonight would be the first night that Steele tasted defeat, with a surprise victory from El Leon Volante. Tonight, the hunter would fall prey to the lion. I could already hear the adoring cries of the audience, and I had savored the victory many times over in my head. But just moments before the match was set to begin, El Jefe took me aside. He handed me a mask and said, You're being rebranded. We are losing the Spanish name. It's too confusing for the kids. You're going to be the Black Lion. We got you a new mask and everything, and you get to wear it tonight. I stared down at the black mask in my hands. It felt unclean, radiating some feeling of negativity I couldn't quite place. El Jefe continued, The plans have changed. Steel is going to win tonight. But if you defeat him, we have no other opponent planned for you to face next week. Follow the routine, but when you jump in for your finisher, Steele is going to catch you and slam you to the mat. Stay down for the count. I was crushed. I could not believe that after all the years of study and struggle, sacrifice after sacrifice, breaking my body down in order to sell tickets and make money for the company, I would be expected to lay down my honor at the feet of an arrogant American who would not last minute in a true lucha libre contest? And was this already the end of El Leon Volante, who would vanish without a word just as Churro Guevara had done so many years ago? Reluctantly, I put on the vile black mask and made my way through the curtain. As I approached the ring, a feeling of heaviness began to weigh upon my shoulders. It was something I did not entirely recognize, but it was strangely familiar, as if I knew the feeling from another lifetime. The bell rang, and the contest began. 
swung wildly, but I ducked beneath his blows with ease. He tossed me into the corner, but I climbed up and stalked across the top ropes as I had done so many times before. This white man believed himself to be a hunter, but he was trapped in the den of the lion. As the match continued, the hunter's breath became ragged and his movements slowed. He signaled to me that he could not go on much longer and that we would need to end the fight soon. A predator knows when the prey is growing weak. I needed no instruction, and so I swallowed my pride, climbed to the top rope to attempt my final leap. I stood atop the turnbuckle and looked out upon the crowd. Thousands of small lions stared back, their golden masks now strangely unlike the black facade I now wore. The children believed that their champion would triumph, conquering the impossible odds to show them that a real man lets nothing stand between him and victory. But their champion was about to let them down. The lion would hang upon the mantle of the hunter. For a moment, I felt the fear once more. Then, something changed. I felt the fear, but it was not my own. I could smell it on my opponent, the hunter who suddenly seemed much smaller than he had before. The cries from the audience grew to a fever pitch, filled not with hope, but now with bloodlust. I knew what had to be done. El Jefe was wrong. The lion would not fall to the hunter on this night. The victory was rightfully mine. The honor was mine. I leapt into the air. My opponent readied himself to catch me, but I soared across and landed behind him. Quickly, I was on my feet, and I launched a swift kick to the side of his head. It sent him reeling, and before he could regain balance, I bounced off the middle rope and sent my whole body crashing into his. As the hunter fell to the mat, the black lion pounced, and I wrapped my arms around my victim's thick neck. He whispered to me, What are you doing? Get back up to the ropes and go with the routine. But I didn't care. I squeezed tighter. Submit, I commanded. Give up. The hunter looked up with confusion and shock in his eyes. He appeared much younger than I ever noticed before. No, man, just stop. Please, just stop. It, it's not supposed to. His words were meaningless to me. Tap! I shouted at him. It is over. Submit. Tap out. He did not tap. The hands were all over me, fingers jamming beneath my arms to wrench the hunter free from the black lion's grasp. There was panic and screaming and crying, and I was being pulled backward, and suddenly I felt dizzy like I wasn't in my own body. I reached up and tore the mask off my face, throwing the black cloth to the ground. People were everywhere, and Hefe was at the side of the ring. John Steele's limp body was being rolled by several men onto a stretcher. I caught the gaze of El Hefe, with his eyes wide and his hands shaking. I stumbled to my feet and looked down at the crumpled black mask staring up at me. Then came the fear. I needed to go. I needed to be as far away from that horrible mask as possible. That was not my face. I rolled out of the ring and ran through the crowd as frightened papas held their children back from the madman pushing past them. Every direction I looked in, cheap imitations of Leon Volante stared back at me. These were not my face either. Where was it? Me mascara, me honor, why did I leave it behind? I ran out into the street, quickly assaulted by a familiar dry summer heat, yet in a strange land I did not know or understand. Days? I needed to escape the fear. I ran until I could run no more and collapsed in the alley outside. I may have slept, maybe not. I don't remember. But when I looked up, I saw the door. It felt uncomfortable. I had the strangest thought that I'd open the door and be greeted by my papa. 
How long has it been since I spoke to Papa? He would be so proud to learn that his son had become a man. Ayudame, Papa. Donde esta? That was the way he wouldn't Well, the bartender gives you a real naked Turnbuckle if Excuse me, Excuse me, elves and um you blind man. Hush up now, please. I have a very important announcement to make. I would like to announce my retirement. Undefeated, I might add. <laughs> Quiet you. That's entirely beside the point. Undefeated from the gorgeous lizards of wrestling. From now on, I will be a manager. And you, my sweet lion, you will be my first ward. What can I say? I like them young, dumb, and ambitious. As the kids say these days, your ass is mine. That's right. I want your pet snake. Yes, yes, his asp belongs to the lizard, but his soul belongs to me. I already sold my soul to the fed. Well, since he's not going to have it, but yeah. Jive Hive is produced by Kat Egberg and Kyle Rebar. Adam Kine wrote and voiced the story of Eldion. Find out more at ashradio.bandcamp.com Brian Lennon is the narrator. Incidental music by AJ Lineski. Adam Kahn. The Jive Hive is on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music. <laughs>